There is more going on than you know. There are unseen universal forces at work. The law of attraction is just one universal law that plays a part in shaping your reality. But there's so much more to know. If you knew how to engage all the universal forces, you could deliberately create the life of your dreams. Joshua, a group of non-physical teachers, explains the laws of the universe and how the mechanisms of physical reality actually work. They are channeled by Gary Temple Bodley, and each week, Gary and a group of students discuss how they are affecting and enhancing their lives every single day. This is the expansion of the Law of Attraction. This is the teachings of Joshua Roundtable. We're thrilled you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Law of Attraction Roundtable. I'm your host, Gary Temple Bodley, and today we're going to have a fun podcast in response to a podcast that I did earlier with Sean, who was a Law of Attraction skeptic. We um, are coming together with a bunch of us, and we're just going to talk about what we think Law of Attraction is and how we're trying to use it in in our lives and how we're trying to become a vibrational match to the lives that we want and how we're raising our vibration, all that stuff. So with me today is Navina from Reunion Island. No, no, I'm sorry. You're in Oman. Sorry. And I'm not Rob, Rob, are you in India? Uh, yep. Yeah. I'm from New Zealand, but I'm currently in Mumbai in India. Yeah. Cool. And Muriel's in Reunion Island. And yes. Lisa is somewhere in England. Hi, Lisa. Yes. Hi. Where are you? Winchester. Outside London. Okay, great. And Andine, where are you, Andine? Uh, In Oxfordshire. Okay, great. South South of England. So this is a podcast with people spread out all over the world. Mostly, we're doing it in the morning, so mostly you are in Europe or somewhere in that time zone over there. So this is a conversation we're going to have because all of you have gone through Joshua's boot camp. You all somehow got interested in law of attraction. Maybe you found Abraham Hicks or whatever, and then you found Joshua, and then you were inspired to join the boot camp. and we did the first round of boot camps this year, 2019. And you guys are amongst the first hundred people ever to do the boot camp. And so we're sort of going to talk about how we all got started in this, what law of attraction is, and then how it went even deeper with the boot camp and what you're all doing now. So, Muro, why don't you uh, tell us about your inspiration? Yeah. So, uh, hello, everyone. And um, so I listened to the podcast with Sean last week, and instantly I got the inspiration saying, look, your story might be interesting because uh, you're not, you, I was not uh, skeptical, but I didn't know about law of attraction, you know. And I discovered law of attraction like six months ago. So basically, it's brand new. It's something just running my life, and I jump in the train, and it's wonderful since, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Now, um, you know, it's like, we live lives of resistance to certain extents based on, you know, the lives that we've had and our experiences and stuff. And you come from a tiny little island. You were born there in Reunion? Yeah, I'm born there. Yeah. Right. And it's so interesting because now that we have 
the internet and people are discovering new ideas. And you have Navina, a friend who introduced you, right, to Law of Attraction and to Joshua. And then when you heard it, something clicked within you. Yeah. And that so, seems like how it works, you know? We sort of recognize this stuff somehow makes sense to us. And it doesn't make sense to a lot of people. There's, you know, if you take seven and a half billion people on the planet, uh, you know, who, how many people are really interested in this? A few million, maybe. So a small percentage. Uh, is growing and growing and growing, but I think really it's this technology of of having the internet, having podcasts, having uh, YouTube, and being able to connect with people all over the world, really as if they're friends you've known your whole life in, in a lot of cases. It's so cool. And I really think that the awakening that we're experiencing is coinciding with the internet. And this is the reason everyone's awakening, because... If you didn't have a, a podcast to listen to or a YouTube video to watch, you were pretty much by yourself reading books. And that was really good, but even the books are new technology because 200 years ago, no one's reading the books and they're not available. And you see a lot of law attraction stuff coming out in the 1900s. In fact, Dean, your grandfather, and Lisa, your grandfather, Walter, was studying this stuff in what, the 30s? Yes, the 30s uh, through to the 50s. And uh, he was a British parapsychologist. So he was studying uh, whether we were able to communicate basically with those who passed on. And he did numerous studies and wrote numerous books about it in the 30s and 50s. Well, yeah. 30s and 50s. And from your perspective, was he celebrated or what, do people thought it was weird back at the time? Well, he actually went to a renowned school called Eton and he went to Cambridge. And actually this came up last night, so it's very interesting that you're talking about it uh, because he was kind of vilified for it, that uh, somebody should be who had been to Cambridge and who was very bright and intelligent and came from good standing that he should actually be, we would put, say the words, he would be luring himself to uh, this kind of thing. So he was way out there. Um, I've got, uh, all, my father died in May, so I've got all his books and all his writings and all his teachings, so it's something I've got to do in the future. But so interesting that way back in the 30s, he was researching this. Yeah, and he was, you know, if he was researching anything else, he would have been considered highly respectable, you know, uh, had it been physics or something like that. A doctor or a lawyer, correct. Yeah. So this is talking about our belief system. Why is our belief system so closed that we can't even entertain these new ideas? It's like the pyramids, you know, the Sphinx, um, a climatologist, I think, realized that the, the deterioration of the Sphinx was not caused by sandstorms. It was caused by precipitation. And the only way that could happen is if the Sphinx was way older than it is, than they thought it was, right? And because the area would have had to have been a temperate, lots of rainfall and that sort of thing. And that didn't happen, you know, for you know thousands of years before that. So when he brought up that idea, everyone totally criticized him and tried to debunk him. 
And then now, after 10 years or something, they've started to accept it and realize that the Sphinx is so much older. So these people have these beliefs, and they're so ingrained, and they're so hard to change. And, and it's sort of like because there's maybe an establishment. But now that we're coming into this age of awakening, and we have new technology, and we're having conversations like this, it's becoming way more acceptable. And large part of that is Abraham and the book, The Secret, and things like, you know, conversations with God, all these other things are coming forward now and people are getting glimpses and they're sort of remembering that this is all true. Yet most people are skeptics and most people we know. And in fact, the reason this podcast isn't number one is because we have a really pretty good large group of followers, but no one is spreading the word. You know, it's like, (laughs) it's like no one wants to talk about it because they'll Everyone else will think you're crazy. So, I mean, Andine and Lisa, and you have a sister, all interested in this stuff. So that's really cool. And Muriel and Nadina together. Yeah. But and I'm lucky with people around me and Tracy, very interested in. But a lot of people have spouses that aren't interested in and have friends that aren't interested in. But also, you don't even know if someone you know is following Abraham, for instance, you know, until you bring it up, you don't even know. And I've had conversations with people and they'll say something that will spark something. We were just at uh, the bar downtown here a while ago and we were talking about meditation and the bartender comes over all full of tattoos, this 25 year old girl. And she goes, I couldn't help overhearing that you're talking about meditation. And so we started talking a little bit. And then I said, do you know who Abraham Hicks is? And she goes, yeah, I'm a huge follower, you know. So in this tiny little town, there's someone there. And unless you're asking this question, you're not, you know, you don't know what people are following on their own. Go ahead, Mira. Yeah, if you don't mind, you simply talk about that. And it's funny because I start to speak about uh, what happened in the boot camps, you know. And uh, yeah, it's not easy, that's for sure. And you can see some people can understand it or at least listen to it and other people, they can't. And I know because I got my, you know, my guides and they said to me, anyway, you're going to lose some friends on the way. That's for sure. Because they will simply think you are crazy and it's fine. You know, it's perfect the way it is, but you're right. And, but I could not uh, keep it for me anymore. I, I had the urge to talk about it because it's, me, you know, so. Yeah. And, you know, that's a, that's a thing about us. We're here in the beginning of this and there's a reason for that because that's part of our soul's purpose. And so for us not to talk about it out of fear is denying who we truly are. Yeah. Yeah. I find that a bit of a journey. I find that um, I'm happy to talk to some people about it if I sense that they, that idea. But um, I'm still in that kind of thing, a bit like, you know, you were talking the other day, Gary, about that um, podcast, Joe Rogan interviewing Josh Ong. Yeah. And they stumbled, it was a two-hour podcast, it's really good. And they stumbled on, hey, uh, have you ever heard of Esther Hicks? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of her. How did you find out about her? And they're both kind of like, well, I don't really like to talk about this stuff. I can't believe I'm actually talking about it. Right. On a million people. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I can relate to that. But those did go there, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it was very cool. And it just shows you, you know, even when um, 
Oprah interviewed Esther. Did you guys ever see that one? No. So it was for the radio show. Yes, that I amazing, amazing. Yeah, oh, and Oprah was too afraid to put it on TV and would only do it on the radio, you know, because of how weird people think channeling is in general. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we have, once we get curiosity going, that's really the engine that drives everything. So if you're curious about something, then now we have all these resources to go up and research more and more and more. And we're seeing glimpses of it in things like uh, Russell Brand's podcast. You know, Russell Brand is, is bringing up the spirituality side of things and interviewing people who are spiritual. But they're, they're all at a very general level, aren't they? It's like Joshua is going into so much more depth and people are still in that, in that control mode. And they're trying to figure out how to use law of attraction to control their lives. And this is the big sticking point when people get stuck in the law of attraction. It's because, like I did, I was going to use the law of attraction to get my money back and to make my life better and all this stuff, and which it did. But the using of it part where you're trying to control your life through this new idea, that doesn't work. You know, you have to... What we've learned in the boot camp, it's the absolute acceptance of everything, especially ourselves. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's about timing. Sorry. I think it's timing. Yeah. Yeah. So timing in what what sense? Well, I was um, I was on a call on a session, private session with Kimberly in Australia this morning, for the first time, and it was like you know. I found Abraham Hicks and I found Gary and Joshua. And then when I moved back to Oman a couple of months ago and everything's sort of getting reorganized, I, I, I felt like I needed something new also. And I feel like the Joshua community is mine forever. And it's, 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 um, it's who I am as, as Abraham Hicks is who I am. But I think we have to really trust ourselves when we feel like we're going to reach for something new. We have to give ourselves permission because you know, Kimberly, again, she's, you know, many people would say she's far out there. As uh, Gary, you speak in a lot of pretty traditional language and traditional terms, even spiritually traditional, whereas Kimberly is very diverse and very angelic. And for me to, uh, I had three urges or three impulses to contact her. And then now, now I'm sort of with her. And um, I'm, I kind of wonder what took me so long, you know? Yeah. It is a weird thing because I think the dogma of religion captures us into certain teams. You know, yeah. you want to be in the Abraham team and you don't want to entertain any other possibilities. And so then you get in the Joshua team. But really, it's this, it's whatever you need to find that conforms to this new set of beliefs that you're evolving into. And so you might be ready for the secret and then evolve into Abraham and then evolve into Joshua and then evolve into something else. But, but what you had was inspiration, right? You weren't saying, I need to fix my life so I got to find something better because this isn't working. You said, this is all fun and interesting. I wonder what else is out there. And then you found Kimberly. Mm-hmm. Yes, and she's, she's very much... Um 
I, I, I don't know if we graduate, but I think that um, certain um, teachings, you know, very much lay the foundation for the next teachings because, you know, because I had Abraham Hicks, I really could just, you know, when I found Joshua and, and you, Gary, it was like, oh my God, yes, I, I recognize every, all the language. Uh, but, and yet Muriel, when we used to talk about law of attraction, she said, yeah, okay, give it or take it. And then when she started getting into the Joshua teaching, she was just like, you know, full yeah. tilt. <laughs> and so how it works is that the stream of consciousness, the energy of these teachers comes through many different people in a different way based on the combination of the, of the channel and these teachings. And from my point of view, I wanted very practical stuff that people could use in their everyday lives. This is what I was always interested in, is how could we actually improve? You know, how could we actually come to a set of beliefs that allows us to live life properly? And in the beginning, it was, for me, it was all motivation. I would listen to Zig Ziglar and all these motivational speakers and, and uh, Anthony Robbins and stuff like that. And so I was using motivation to effort and struggle my way through things. But I also, at the same time, learned how to think in a more empowering way. And so many people have these minds that just aren't trained. And so negative thoughts will come in and positive thoughts will come in and negative thoughts will come in and positive thoughts. And it's like this bombardment of thoughts at the same time. And it really wasn't until meditation where... I was able to slow the stream of the negative thoughts and to realize that it's all my, you know, through Joshua, that's all that's your perception of reality is what creates this reality. So when you go into, you know, there's so many things in Joshua that Joshua brings up non-physical, your inner self, just like Abraham. Then goes deeper and talks about your beliefs, your perception of reality, there is no wrong, that there's all emotions are based in love and fear, and you know which stream of consciousness you're hooked up into. And so if you can realize how powerful you are, you can choose to perceive something you thought is wrong as possibly right. And in doing that, you come back into this stream of consciousness based in love. And from that, you're receptive to inspiration that will lead you forward but fear will always pop up, but you now have the tool to deal with fear and to look at your limiting beliefs. So very practical stuff. And then you go to someone else like Astrid or Kimberly or the stream of David, and they have different, different, um, not view, it's, it's the same message, but it's a different way of conveying it, right? An approach, I think. Yeah. yeah. So if you look at Astrid, Astrid, and Laurel, Laurel t tends to be softer than Joshua, you know, but much more, or not. yeah, not. but much more, um, you know, much more, uh, I don't know, harder than Kimberly. Kimberly mm -hmm. really is all based in love, right? Yeah. I would think Joshua, the thing about with you, Gary, with Joshua is that it is so specific to that person in a way that empowers everybody else. It's not so general. Um, yes. And it just, it cuts through the crap. It right. just goes straight in. You, you're not faffing around for 20 minutes to get, it just, it just, you goes whack, whack, whack. And everything becomes clear. 
Um, and I think the big the big thing about you know with with the Joshua teachings because I've been love Abraham Hicks, followed Abraham Hicks for years, um, and all different modalities. But with with Joshua, it's just like this makes sense, and you don't need convincing because you just feel and you know that. There's a, there's a, as you were talking about then, there's a process to follow and you can see, you, you see how it's working for you, how you have completely control to be a conscious, whether you want to consciously create or not. Yes. Um, and most of us are putting our focus on what we don't want and that's where we get hooked up. So we're saying you like go down to very basic way, you know, I don't want it to, you know, I don't want it to be a rainy day. Right. Because rather than saying, I want it to be a sunny day. Yeah. And we're naturally lazy in that where it's easy to say, oh, you know, I'm anti-war. But what about, you know, like Mother Teresa said about being pro-peace and not anti-war. And so the point is that wherever we put our focus, that's where it's going on. And Joshua really teaches how it's our vibration that we're giving it out, giving out about what feels right so even though we might be saying one thing we're actually feeling anti something so it's it's about getting in alignment with ourselves and focusing on what feels true to us that's yeah. that's why it feels right to me yeah but joshua it's a bit, it's a, go, ahead. go ahead rob uh, it's a very i found it's a very practical approach uh, i agree with what you said lisa that and especially with yeah. the boot camp because it, it's the first time i've ever really had an opportunity to do some exercises every day. And so I've read a lot of theoretical stuff, like the first channeling stuff I read years ago was the Seth books by Jane Roberts, which blew my mind and was incredible stuff. And it was very esoteric. And it's like, well, how on earth do I apply this to my life? And there is no real way to apply it. And then a year ago, somebody introduced me to Abraham Hicks. And I said, hey, thank you so much. And she said, hey, if you like that, then you'll probably like the Joshua stuff um, from... Gary's humble body. I said, oh, okay, thanks. I'll check it out. And then, you know, read the four books, look at the podcast, did the boot camp, came and met you. And and it's the first time out of all the stuff I journeyed through over the years, a lot of the stuff in the early days, like you, starting with Napoleon Hill and all that, Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra and you know, whatever. And it was all really good. And I was kind of had a predilection to that sort of stuff, but I wasn't kind of super woo-woo. I was, you know, hard-headed businessman as well. And then I get to the Joshua stuff and it's like, oh, wow, okay, this is actually a practical system to live by day by day and it works. And one of the other things I want to say, which I, I heard somebody was talking about just before, is I realized a number of years ago that I was uh, creating outcomes in my life, some good ones and some things I didn't want. And I, I was pretty sure I was creating these things that were just random happenings, so quite big things, but I had no idea how I was doing it. So... And I'll talk to you about the helicopter image, you know, that if you've ever tried to pull the controls on a helicopter compared to like an airplane or a boat, they're not logical, right? There's nothing intuitive. You have no idea what that, you know, collective or whatever it is is called is going to do. And my life felt like that, that it was like, I know I'm doing this stuff and some of it's good and some of it I don't want. How am I doing this? And now I'm starting to get some insights into how I'm doing this so I can get more of the outcomes that I actually want. Yeah. <clears throat> And it's with Joshua, it's, it's sometimes for people, it's too specific. Uh, because this is the leading edge of the leading edge of thought. It's like, okay, you create your reality. Abraham says that. And people don't want to say, well, if I created my reality, why would I create this reality? Well, because you don't 
really understand how it works. And it's because you're in resistance and you're focusing on things that you think are wrong. And then Joshua comes along and says, it has to do with your set of beliefs. You want to raise the intensity of your beneficial beliefs and lower the intensity of your limiting beliefs. And people will say, okay, great, I'll do that. But then they don't do the work. And they'll say, I don't get, my life's not changing. I didn't, you know, how come it didn't change? Well, you're still living in fear. That's why. You're still living in this old approach to life, exploring what it's like to be a victim. And you're not pushing past your fear. And so Joshua will say, you either push past your fear and live the life you intend to live, or you're going to live as a victim. And that choice is yours. And people don't like to hear that because <clears throat> that's too much responsibility. You know, it's too heavy. They'd rather be in this state of, you know, source loves you. Uh, everything's working out for you. There's nothing you need to do. That sort of thing. And Joshua says, no, that's, while that's all true, if you want to explore who you truly are, you're going to have to push past fear. And there's no way around that. And, uh, and you so, know, Gary, uh-huh. I think the, with Joshua, the most important thing is the belief system because the bigger things we basically all have to work on is worthiness because we don't believe we are worthy because we are, you know, thinking when we see others having whatever they want and you feel like, oh my God, I can't have this, so I'm going to play it safe and do what everyone do, you know. I think that's really the key is worthiness. It's yeah. And so what Joshua is saying is that we are born worthy. We accepted our worthiness when we were born. We were perfect when we were born. We've been perfect all along the way, yet we've adopted limiting beliefs about ourselves. And so we feel shame. We feel unloved. We feel as individuals, we're disconnected from that source energy that is us. The, the way you actually change is by seeing yourself from a a more empowered perspective. That's what changes your life. Nothing else really changes your life other than this belief about yourself as more magnificent today than yesterday. Even though- A lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Did you guys see Steven's uh, last video where he's in Mexico, he's walking down the beach, he meets this couple, they have a great conversation, they're talking, 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 and they uh, ordered some food and they said, would you like to to dine with us. And he says, no, I got to go. And so he goes and (laughs) comes back the next day and he sees them and they're totally aloof. They won't, the the wife doesn't look at them, all this stuff. Right. And he's like, Oh, that's very weird. I wonder what this is all about. And so he leaves and he's, he's feeling negative emotion because he thinks that he's done something wrong to offend them. And he doesn't know what it is, but he's realizing that this is a manifestation event. He is feeling negative emotion. It's his sign that he's not looking at this from the higher perspective. He doesn't have all the information. It's going back to a limiting belief that he's not worthy or there's something wrong with him, right? And so he's processing and processing it. And he's thinking maybe he said something that was offensive. But even in that understanding that if he did say something offensive, it was for their benefit for them to have a manifestation event so they could see themselves from another perspective. He goes back the next day and he sees him again. He says, listen, I just uh, you know, want to see if anything's wrong. Did I offend you? And the guy said, yes, you offended us very much. Now take off, right? Another big manifestation event. 
And so he has to go and process that and say, this is a reflection of how I'm feeling. In order for me to be who I am going to be, I have to get process this limiting belief about my worthiness. And you do that in this situation by saying, these people don't know me. They have something going on in their lives that caused them to perceive me in a way that's not true to who I truly am. And it was an event for them and for me as well. I don't have to have them be different than they are. I can feel that limiting belief, and then he can do the work to prove it's false using the forms in the boot camp. How effective is that? You know, that's the work. And if you can that's do great. this stuff, yeah, you know, it's such a good, ex- such a good example too. Yeah. So when you guys started doing that, I mean, that's pretty transformative, that work of the evening homework processing limiting beliefs. How did that work for all you? Oh, can I jump in here? Yeah. About um, uh, manifestation events. And some of you may have seen that I posted about it, but I, w- I would like to, to anybody listening who, who doesn't know the story, about uh, why, why manifestation events occur and how when you work through boot camp, they're, they're actually for you and not to you, and that everything happens for a reason. Um, on Tuesday this week, I was uh, asked to go to my restaurant by my partner, and I had a really good day. I was in alignment, and just before I left my house, I had the inspired thought to check uh, my other work diary because I have another work which I do which is doing facials for ladies and as I was looking at my diary at 5.15 I saw that I had a client in 15 minutes but I was on my way to the restaurant so I was like oh no this is terrible and I had to call the lady who I know is solicitor she would have left her work early to come to me and very annoying for her but I had to call and cancel her because I had to uh, go to my restaurant and as I was driving to work I was thinking about this situation and the manifestation event what, why it happened and you know what why was it for me um, and whilst I was thinking about it, I got to work and half an hour later at 6 p.m. I had a phone call on my mobile from a number that I didn't know but I just had a feeling to answer it And it was a lady who introduced herself as Beatrice to let me know that my son was trapped in a building in London and he couldn't get out and he was able to get to a window to shout for help. And uh, she heard his cries and he'd remembered my phone number. The only phone number he could remember was mine. Now, if I hadn't picked up that phone call at that time, uh, if I had done uh, the facial treatment for the lady who was supposed to be there at 5.30, uh, my phone would have been on silent. And not only would I have missed the call, but any future calls that she'd made, I probably wouldn't have listened to any messages from a number that I didn't know. So it's basically to say, having been through the boot camp and you learn about manifestation events, Uh, you realize that they are for you and to you. So when I was processing it afterwards, I realized uh, that the universe works in mysterious ways. And when something happens that you think is possibly negative, it can actually turn out to be a positive uh, and uplifting reason why something's happened. Yeah, it's just that you didn't have all the information at the time. So you take a limited perspective and say, this is wrong. 
rather than saying, oh, I wonder how this happened. This is so unusual. When was the last time I ever forgot an appointment? You know, that doesn't happen. And so you could say, I wonder what's going to happen from this. Maybe there's something at the restaurant that needs to be done. And you can go into it with curiosity. And this is really how you expand in joy. You know, curiosity is joy. So if you can look at these things instead of saying, that was wrong, it shouldn't have happened, I'm a bad person. You can say, no, everything's working out for me. Let's see how this plays out. Yeah, and, and it certainly did. So I was so grateful that I was able to look at it in a different way and realize, realize afterwards through everything that I've learned from you and Joshua. It was amazing. So this idea that everything that comes to you is for you, everything that's happening, nothing happens to you, it happens for you. This is reinforced in every meditation that Joshua has over and over and over again. And so that's indicative of a universe that's designed to give you everything you need when you need it, right? That's the whole point of this system. Yeah, we feel as if things are happening to us. That's the perspective of the victim. So if you change that, just that one perspective to saying, okay, what is this, how is this for me? And start asking that question, all of a sudden you step into your role as a creator. And it could also be for someone else because the manifestation event can, like Anjine is saying, can lead you to assist someone else. So you're being used as a, a go-between or a mechanism to be beneficial to countless number of other people. It's not just you and it's, it's not just negative. Exactly. So also yeah. here too, it's interesting because if you feel negative emotion, what you're going to tend to do is dip into the stream of consciousness based in fear and lack and pull up an urge to change the condition. So Undine could have said, I'm not going to work. I'm going to go here. I got to, I got to do this thing with this woman. I have to do my facial. I can't be seen as an irresponsible person. This woman has probably left work early. You know, I have to be good. And so I'm going to not go into work until later and do this. And so you're just, not that that would be wrong or bad or anything. It's just that it won't allow for the elegant manifestation that was coming to you. You sort of, you're sort of getting in the way of your own manifestations when you, when you try act on any urge to change the condition. So I think the thing that comes up is trust, trust. I think trust comes up again and again. And faith, right. Yeah. Yeah. When you when something so it's it's easier to have faith when you have inspiration. When you know that you're inspired to something, you'll still feel doubt on it, but it's easier to say, "Oh, I have this inspiration. It must be for me. It must be for the highest good. I'm going to just do what I can to do that." Right? Fear will come up. But when something out of the blue happens that you didn't plan, right? And so you, so because you made a plan, you have an attachment to an outcome. And if it doesn't go the way you think it's going to go, you use that as your excuse to not feel good and to, you know, dip into that lower stream of consciousness. If you can just have faith all the time that it's always working out for you and live in that, this is the thing that most people won't do. Most people will not concede that things are always working out for them. They want to control every aspect of it. Yeah. Um, I was talking with someone on a graduation call and 
they're very, very, very busy at work and it's a sole proprietorship. And she takes on tons and tons and tons of clients. And so I was talking about, you know, when you, when you take vacations and she says, I really only have a few days over Christmas in the whole year to do it. And I said, well, why is that? Because I have all these clients. I said, well, why do you need all these clients? And she goes, well, what would it be like if I didn't take them and I'm in that, you know, they're there with someone else and they're saying, how come you didn't take me as a client? And he said, well, because you have enough clients and you want to serve all the, you know, you want to serve the clients that you have and you don't have time for this. Like, and she, and so it's this fear of letting down people or not being seen as responsible or good, but, but the fear is causing her to focus so much on this business and not any other aspects of her life. And, and it's this fear that causes us to do these things that aren't in line with what we intended and who we truly are. We got to realize we're, we are non-physical expressions of source in a physical reality. And we can have, be, and do anything. And if we can release fear and resistance, we can be moved elegantly through inspiration to live these amazing lives. And the goal is not to be wealthy or have things or have people love you or any of that stuff. The goal is to simply feel good and feel this feeling of connection to source that you truly are. It's absolutely counterintuitive to how we're all programmed. And I think, Gary, I think what I'm going through lately is that um, things become like a whiteboard. When you start seeing all these habits, like you really have to change what, what gives your life meaning. Because, and I think that's what we're afraid of. Because when I start seeing that that habit is silly or that way of looking at it is silly, and I'm, I think the reason that I'm afraid of letting go of a lot of old things is that all of a sudden I have this whiteboard and a lot of the things that defined to me are gone. So what do I give meaning to now? You know, I, I, I think we're afraid of letting go of the things that used to give our life meaning. I think so, that's what we're really afraid of. Yeah, well, what's the only thing that gives your life meaning? Being authentic, love. Okay, so being authentic means that you're not limited by fear or you're less limited by fear, right? So the authentic means living on earth how you would live in the non-physical. In the non-physical, there is no fear, so you're not limited by fear. In the physical, you're the same being as you are in the non-physical, yet fear plays a part in this. And all of us are limited by fear to some aspect, right? So we use, we, we feel fear, and so we try to control conditions, or we receive inspiration, we start feeling good, and we feel fear in moving forward. But the only thing that matters, right, is your connection to source. And in that connection to source, you feel good, joy, exhilaration, excitement, fun, energy, uh, effective, satisfaction. Everything starts working. So if everything starts working, when you give up need to control, you can also be sure that your life will have true meaning, which is a stronger connection to source. Now, a lot of, like my dad was just saying, you know, he's 82 now, and he was like, all this achievement did in my life turns out at the end not to mean anything. 
Isn't that true? You know, getting awards and getting promotions and buying a house and all these things, it turns out not to mean anything. The only thing that means anything is being able to do what you're inspired to do, like have this podcast right now and have this conversation with us six people on the call talking about something we're interested in and having this, you know, exhilarating conversation about being connected to source. That's really, yeah. Thank you truly afraid of this blankness of this of this non-identity of this um uh nothing spilling my screen at the moment i think that's absolutely disorienting yeah so imagine this blackboard or this whiteboard is filled with crap all this writing right get married get a job pay uh be good treat people well you know blah 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 um, buy a nice car, uh, make sure that you are acting in a way to make sure people like you, uh, all this stuff. Don't say what you think because people might not like that. And there's all this minutia in there and then you would just wipe it off and now it's blank, right? So now you get I, to start from scratch. So but I think that's why we have meditation because meditation gives us a chance to get, to get used to this clear space. Right. Yeah. It's really important to, to be What was that, Lisa? And that's, yeah, I was just saying, and that, but that is the most exciting bit, is that now you have the black, blank canvas, you get to create what you prefer, and you get to decide. So the fact that you've got this blank canvas is like, you know, 90%, 99% of the population haven't got there. And you just have that freedom that you can then say, this is how I want it to be. So you're in, you're in a magical place. I think it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But, but I think it's important to acknowledge how much fear we have, how much fear. If I look at any of my colleagues in my college, they love chatting with me a little bit about law of attraction or a little bit about that. But most of them would be absolutely overwhelmed by so much clearing of what they used to hold on to. Yes. Well, I was in a... Um, I used to be in this business coaching program and every year the guy running it would say, which is the most important to you, health, relationships or money? And everybody would sit and think about it and discuss it. And eventually everybody would say, okay, health is most important because if you don't have your health, you can't have relationships and you can't have money. Relationships are next most important and the money is the least important. And then we would look at each other and say, how are we living our lives? And actually I'm focused on the money first. <laughs> pleasing everyone else, the relationship second, and my health comes last. And I never really understood why we do that. And then it's basically what uh, you've been saying, like Navita was saying about people at work, people are, we're scared and, and it's the efforting we believe that the money can only come, and the woman you're talking about, Gary, the, the money can only come by efforting more and more and more. And I've noticed that in the last short while that as I've started to detach from that, um, my business has become more fun. It's become more profitable. I stopped worrying about my weight. And then like in the last two months, I've dropped 27 pounds. Wow. <laughs> and I'd never put weight on in my life until the last few years. But it's like, and once I stopped trying, and once I actually took a different approach, and it is kind of scary if you, if you wipe that slate clean, and it is really tempting to act out of fear and chase, chase the money in business and all that kind of thing. I wouldn't say that I'm 100% on that path, but, I, but I'm certainly working at it every day. But I find that transition from efforting and believing that you have to work hard and compete for money 
to actually letting it come in. I mean, it does tend to come in. I never actually go looking for new clients. They just arrive. They seem to arrive at the right time and so does the money. But I do find that quite a hard transition. What does everyone else think? Well, it yeah. is. Gary, yep. if you don't mind, I will just relate about what Navina just said about the board because the funny thing for me is we believe the board we have is empty, but the thing is before we are simply creating by default and now we have the power to create deliberately, you know. That's the only difference. We are creating anyway, you know. So yeah. I find this really funny. And Navina is right. We are simply afraid because before we didn't realize we were creating, basically. That's it. Yeah. So think of the whiteboard filled with control, fear, effort, struggle, um, perception of victim, victimization, things happening to you. You wipe that away, and then you just write in there fun. If you could just yeah. write fun in there, then everything else would take care of itself. Yeah. I was noticing that a lot of people my age aren't having a lot of fun, and they're taking themselves oh. so seriously, you know? And, I, and people look at me a lot of times when I'm just being totally silly, like dancing silly or doing something silly. And it's like, it's contagious. They all want to do it too, but they don't let themselves do it. And then, unless they drink, you know, and then when they drink, they can let themselves go a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I was talking it's to so funny because yeah. I was, uh, when people ask me now, oh, what are you doing? You know, go, well, I do what I have to do to feel good, you know, and yeah. that's a job. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's not accepted, right? It's, oh, it no. Be. It will be. We're here the first, but more and more people are coming. Um, For now, it's luck, you know. Oh, you are lucky because yeah. you have the time to do it. You know, say, yeah, yeah of course, whatever. <laughs> um, I had, when I was in business, I was very successful and I had a big company and I had two friends that I trained how to become, you know, leaders in this company and they both did very well and I paid them a lot. I didn't pay them a lot. They earned a lot. Um, and I, I figured they'd appreciate me because they went from making basically hourly wages to $150,000, $200,000 a year, doing really good. And then both of them at the same time quit and took half my employees and half my customers, right? And they just left to start their own business. And it was like this biggest manifestation event of my life where these were really good friends, like best friends. And then afterwards, I never really saw them again. Um, and so after that effect, I was thinking all the time, I should have had non-compete clauses. I should have had contracts with them so that they couldn't do what they did, right? Yeah. But now I realize that their relationship was the only thing I wanted. And had I done it from this perspective now, I would have said, from the beginning, I want you guys to learn this business and then go off if you want and start your own business. Anytime. Take the employees, take the customers, whatever you want to do. If I had that approach to it, one, they may have stayed, and two, it wouldn't have mattered. I would have attracted new clients. It's a traction thing, not a control thing. And that was like this big, huge manifestation event. So now I don't do any contracts. I don't have any preconceived attachments to anything. I'm focused on the relationship with the people and their best interest, knowing that, that as I express love and acceptance of them, I'm creating my reality from that. 
Who's going to believe in that, right? Who's going to say, do away with <laughs> contracts and non-compete clauses? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not acceptable at this point for sure, you know? Like, oh, you don't have a job. Oh, we're going to do when we will run out of money. And I feel <laughs> that's abundance, guy. Well, I will need to do something. I will do it. And that's it. But they, they don't understand that. It's okay, you know? It's yeah. Fine. Yeah. All right, so now let's talk about one thing that's becoming very obvious from the boot camp is that a certain percentage of people who go through the boot camp become channels themselves. Have any of you guys had experience channeling? Yeah, um, I will talk first. Yeah, actually, I was listening to Joshua yesterday and he said basically, they're all channels, basically. And uh, now it's simply you know, present a question and listen to the answer for me now. So, yeah, and it came to me really quickly, actually, because all the teaching of Joshua makes sense. That's it for me. Like, all my life come together and I feel, yeah, okay, I'm good. So, yeah, I I start to channel. The last time I, I asked you, you know, when we were talking in your graduation talk, uh, or to do or to train it and you ask me write a question every day and answer the question but to be honest I'm running out of questions so <laughs> no I'm not doing it anymore because every time I have a question it's simply come to me you know so that's okay that's that's okay you know yeah so, it's yeah. like me too I can't do it either it comes in my head I get yeah. the entire essence of the answer in my head you know yeah like straight so yeah but this is a natural thing, and, and it's natural for us, to, for all of us to do it. We're not supposed to be here alone. We're supposed to be able to get whatever wisdom from inside. Yeah. Navina? Um, well, Kimber, Kimberly in, in Australia and I were talking about it this morning because I was asking for her uh, wisdom to come through. And a lot of it was about how best to allow the channeling. I think I've always been channeling it sort of because I've had insomnia. I've really had to deal with a lot of incoming uh, you know, mental energy and mental thought. And she was saying that I love writing stories and I know that's a gift I have, but I have such a fear about allowing um, stories to come through me and I, my arm's tired because I'm a teacher. And she said, well, you, I said, I love verbal, I love podcasts, I love messages to Muriel that are very long. I love even listening to my own messages. And she said, it's very important for you to not style yourself or model yourself after any other channel that, that really, you really must discover what delights you and what is easy for you and, and how it comes through you. And it can be very different from anyone else. Exactly. We're all unique. And my view of the future is that we'll have robotics creating everything that we need. The rest of us will be channels for each other. You know, <laughs> <laughs> channels and we'll all pay, pay each other to do the channel and that sort of thing. That sounds fun, yeah. <laughs> Undine, how about you? Yes. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, yes, I have, Gary. Uh, uh, as you know, um, I think it's because having done boot camps, um, I now accept my soul, my life's purpose. And knowing that, which I'd been searching for many years, that has allowed me to relax into my own being and accept what has been coming through and going from writing and actually being able to speak it, to speak, um, has been 
unbelievable. So yes, so it's knowing my life's and my soul's purpose through the beat camp. And I would say that's so important uh, for anybody on, on Law of Attraction, especially your, your boot camp. Um, we we don't we we don't a lot of us don't know our life's purpose why we're here why circumstances have happened why we've gone from A to Z instead of A to B in a roundabout way but it all brings us to and you know I I found it at my age in my fifties somebody might find it in their twenties but it seems that uh, we we all reach a point where we kind of reach. Not a utopia, but kind of where we are in alignment with ourselves. And I think that's why I'm now able to channel because I'm in alignment with myself and I'm actually truly happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of this age of 50. That's when Joshua came to me. I was exactly 50. And you don't see too many older or too many younger. It's this because we had to go through life and we had to realize that we were working it in opposition of who we were. And it wasn't satisfying, so created this desire to find something, more information, and we stumbled upon it. And then once we let go of, of you know, I hadn't really let go. <laughs> I had always thought channeling was super weird. Didn't tell anyone for a long time. Then saw enough other channels, then did enough of this work, and saw other people becoming channels that I realized it's, it's natural. And now I'm able to tell, to talk about this to any single person. I don't care. You know, and when I do have these conversations with people, I'm a channel. I have a business card that says I'm a channel and I'm proud of it now, you know. And so I'm able to speak to it. And everyone I speak to, no matter where they come from, can get it to a certain point, you know. And so no one is turned off by it anymore. No, I think it's become much more um, mainstream, especially with uh, sort of Abraham laying the groundwork yes. for for everybody going in the future. Yeah. And Lisa, you're how are you channeling? Um well I'm right well painting I suppose. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, when I saw uh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, you go. That's it. <laughs> well, um you know, when I first started channeling, I looked around to see if there were any other channels other than Esther Hicks, and I found Story Waters. So I went to a Story Waters convention or workshop in LA, and he had his husband there, and his husband is an artist. And while he's channeling, his husband is channeling through art at the same time on stage. It was very interesting. So now I know that art, true artists who are inspired are channeling all inventions are channeled, all new ideas are channeled, all books are channeled, all music's channeled. You know, it, this is part, we're supposed to bring in from the non-physical these ideas and make them physical. And when you take thoughts and turn them into books or podcasts or videos, you are creating as you intend to do. Yeah. And this is our life's purpose, is to be these creators intentionally creating that which is coming to us in thought form, in inspiration from the non-physical, and we are making it tangible. And those of us who can become uh, the path of least resistance to these ideas are, are th those receiving the ideas, whatever it is. You could be really interested in, in I saw uh, a Joe Rogan's podcast, it was Paul Stamen, so he's a mushroom specialist. and he received the idea 
that the bumblebees are are receiving a virus because they're not near these these certain mushrooms that used to grow in dead trees. This is why you see a lot of beehives in old dead trees is because the mushrooms are there and the mushrooms somehow give them a protection against virus. And when you take them out of that environment and put them in boxes, they don't have the mushrooms there. So now he's figured out an invention to give the benefit of these mushrooms to bees anywhere. And uh, how did you get that idea? Well, because you're interested in that subject and you became receptive to this idea. And you're the one person on earth who could get that idea. This is true of all of us, though. We're all unique and we all have unique vibrations and unique experiences of life. We're unique in every single moment of our life. No one will ever be like us in the future or has been like us in the past. That proves we're worthy. And whatever we're interested in, we become this conduit from the non-physical to the physical, creating such powerful, magnificent things when there's no resistance that we can literally be, have, and do anything we want as long as we get out of our own way. I think that's a perfect way to end this podcast. Thank you guys for being here today. It's been brilliant talking to all of you. It's so fun to have people all around the world. Muriel, thank you for this inspiration. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. So if you want to know more about Joshua, you can go to the Friends of Joshua Facebook group. You can go to the teachingsofjoshua.com. You can email me at joshuateachings at gmail.com. If you want to learn about the boot camp, it's on the website. Our other podcast is Joshua Live, where you hear me channel Joshua. It's uh, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's all over the world. We're starting to pop up in the top uh, charts of the spirituality genre. And this stuff is growing. And I think 2020 is going to be this year, obviously, of clarity, but great, fun, exciting changes are going to happen. Momentum is taking place. Thank you, everyone. And until next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Teachings of Joshua Roundtable. Remember, you are loved more than you can imagine by more than you could ever count. We'll see you next week.